0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. We're going to talk about some history. We're going to finally talk about the Cubs as trade partners. I feel a little unfair, like I've built them up. Uh, They're an interesting team, but maybe not the most interesting trade partner. Beyond that, if we have time, we'll start talking NL East. And uh, yeah, let's just talk some history. So I'm recording this on October 22nd. You'll be able to listen to it on the 23rd. But on October 22nd in 1997 was Game 4 of the 97 World Series. 35 degrees, so it was the coldest start of any postseason game in history. Uh, The Indians win this one 10-3, and it was two rookie starters, Jared Wright and Tony Saunders. It was the sixth time the two uh, rookies opposed each other in the World Series. And this got me thinking, like, what happened to Tony Saunders? Uh, It's an interesting story. We're going to take a second and run down that. We know what happened to Jared Wright. He... uh, He liked to party. And he partied his way out of Cleveland, uh, eventually resurrecting himself with uh, Atlanta and then getting a fat contract with the Yankees and showing the dedication that he had previously shown um, all over again and kind of flaming out in New York rather quickly. Uh, Jared Wright is an interesting pitcher in general because he was held in such high regard, but he never missed bats uh, early in his career in Cleveland. He he walked guys at a decent pace, he gave up home runs, and he didn't strike out enough people. Uh, Triumvirate of crap, as I like to call it. That is like the three worst things you can do, is not miss bats, put guys on base, give up home runs. And even in the minors, he was not a big strikeout guy. Uh, Outside of rookie ball, a 9.7 and 9.6... Uh, the 9.6, like, you know, he did have some success in fairness in 1997, where it was a little over 9, but yeah, not uh, nothing special in his time in the minors. And then, just overall, that time in the majors was pretty much after that 97 season when he came up, and I mean, he was a stabilizer, he wasn't a bad pitcher, but he, he was great in the postseason for them, in my mind, watch that not be the case, but could never hold down that position, and gets traded out in 2003 after just being a disaster his last few years there. Pretty terrible 2003 um across multiple teams. Goes to Atlanta and in 2004 has that rebound year. Basically his one strong year in the majors. Uh for his well, you know his his second year in New York was not terrible either. Let's in fairness, it was he was a back end starter that year and he was successful in that. This is a player that only three times in his career managed to have a season where the war value was over two, which is average regular. He was all of 28 after that breakout in Atlanta, heading into that rookie season, a 3.28 ERA. But, uh, you know, his FIP was a 3.29, so in line there, uh, had a bold, so maybe the lowest uh, home run rate of a starter in the National League which again it's unusual for him and home run rates do have some high variance uh, occasionally popping up with players walk rate was also a career low that year started to go back up and the strikeout rate was was high though in 2003 it had been a little bit higher I and mean, high relative to the guy who sat in the five and sixes when he's at 7.7 so that's just a, a quick talk about jared Wright. uh yeah, signed as a free agent. I was like, did the Indians trade him, or what happened there? No. And then eventually he does get traded to Baltimore because New York just wanted it out of the contract. And you know, for as much as the contract got talked about as like one of those bad contracts, five point six, seven point six, seven million—that was what the contract was for a three-year deal. And at the end of the third year, uh, in Baltimore, that was the end of Jared Wright's career. The, you know, a bit of bad luck. Lack of focus. Tony Saunders also had a really interesting and, uh, cr- you know, tragedy-ridden career in his own regards. So, 1997, he has that fantastic year. At the end of the season, Florida doesn't protect him in the expansion draft. He's the first player selected in the '97 expansion draft. Marlins and Indians are in the World Series, and Tony Saunders and Brian Anderson are the top two selections. Third player taken, Jeff Supon, had the third highest value uh, total war of any player in this draft. He would be traded halfway through the 98 season, so halfway through his first season. Uh, the sixth pick was the highest by far value of any player, and that was Bobby Abreu, who's immediately traded for Kevin Stocker to Philadelphia. And just to, you know, I went through this whole list. It's It was fun just kind of looking at names like Corey Liddell went through there he had some good years dimitri young was immediately traded upon being selected uh and he had some productive years even after that jason johnson bounced around for a bit but the show uh let's see omar Dahl. i didn't realize he had a career like uh he had over 12 wins same thing with um tony batista who i kind of forgot had that high peak uh with power production but showing how much we all know about this game of baseball, you can go all the way down to the beginning of the third round. First two picks in the third round are the second and third highest war of this draft with Randy Wynn and Joe Randa. Yep, those guys were, were second and third highest. But it was interesting just to look at that for me from the perspective of, like, man, Saunders, in my mind, was like this borderline like future star uh, even that year, his walk rate was worse than Jared Wright's, and the home run rate was about the same, but at least he missed bats, and that's something he did those first few years, and he missed a lot of bats. He would strike a lot of guys out. He would also walk a lot of guys, um, and that was his issue. So he plays 97, 98, 99, and if you're like me, you might have. I was like, what happened? Why does the career end? I had forgotten that he like took a... a uh, uh, comeback or to the mound off his arm, fractured his humerus bro- bone, had ligament damage, like basically had a career-ending injury right there, Did not even anything in the minors, he made a, tried to make a small comeback uh, in 2005, he got injured in 99, and six years later tries to make that comeback, he pitches a little bit in uh, spring training, doesn't pitch in the minors that year, but yeah, it was... It's just one of those... We don't see career-enders a lot of times anymore. And for him, he was 26 years old and that was a career-ender. And I didn't realize that. Or I'm sure I knew about it at the time, but I'd forgotten about it. Just a a sad twist of fate for him. Only had those three years. And he was not like a... A a big draft pick or anything... Draft pick or anything like that. He was not a guy who had uh, saved up... Had the chance to earn a lot of money. So at the end of his career... He, he had made a little bit more than one million. Now, yes, I'm a teacher. I'll probably never make a little more than one million, but still, you hate to see a guy who put in his time, not even get to his arbitration years. That's just, that is awful in my mind. So I, yeah, I really struggled with that when I saw that just because I, I hate to see such things. So yeah, that was that bit of Indian's history. Just to lead off the show, I thought it was something fun. It's something I nearly talked about on yesterday's show. Um, and in a moment here, we're finally going to talk about the Cubs. First, though, let's talk about our fantastic sponsor on today's show. By now, you should know it. You should love it. It's Built Bar. Built Bar is, uh, you know, I've been on record. You shouldn't have favorites uh, with sponsors, much like with uh, children. Uh, And things like that, but uh, Built Bar is my favorite sponsor. It is the sponsor I routinely give my money to and routinely go back to. I've talked about before that I am someone who is gluten free, and uh, there are a lot of bars I've tried over the years. I won't name the competition, but I pretty much tried them all, trying to find something that could be a quick, easy thing in the morning. I am not super hungry, but if I don't eat, I don't feel great, and Built Bar gives me that energy, it gives you that protein, it's a healthy bar, it tastes great, and again, I keep going back, you should go back. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked On. get 20% off your order. I'm gonna recommend the Mixbox. It is a fantastic product. It is my favorite sponsor. It is a product that I use every single day. So the Cubs. Uh, I feel like I've, I've made this a bigger story than it needs to be. Cubs are an interesting team, mostly in my opinion because of their financials. Uh, when I look at this team, I went through all the numbers and There are players who are gonna get arbitration raises, some of them significant, because they're ending the uh, ends of their contract, but they're gonna have about $50 million coming off their books. Uh, Specifically, they don't pick up John Lester's option. Now, John Lester's option is kind of a crazy one. I had never seen one quite this extensive in my mind. I'm sure there's something I'm missing. He has a $25 million option. Uh, He had negative value this year. They're not picking that up. He hasn't been all that great the past few years, if we're being honest. 2019 was not anything to write home about he's definitely been hitting decline in age 35 and age 36 years you know at his best he was never an ace like he had some really strong years some very good like number two type years um but the last time he had a value over four in baseball reference war was 2016 and if you want another one of those values over four you have to go back to 2011 uh the 2008 to 2011 version of him which is his age 24 through 27 years that's really the the peak value and after that it was inconsistent it was up and down there were some health issues um uh, he's another cancer survivor so uh just kudos to anyone who beats cancer and goes on to be uh anything let alone a premier athlete so yeah they're going to not pick that up at 25 million but what makes it crazy to me is the buyout is still 10 million so um, they're going to pay 10 million to not pay him an additional 15, and I still think that's a pretty safe bet that they will do that. Uh, it would have been guaranteed if he had had 200 innings in 2020 or the equivalent, I would think, or a combined 400 in 2019 and 2020. Uh, he didn't get there, uh, I, even with the uh, figuring out innings and how everything matches up. He just did not get there. But on top of Lester, there's just a lot of other players coming off the books for them. Uh, they probably won't pick up, yeah, I assume they're picking up Anthony Rizzo's option, but Jose Quintana, uh, that contract's coming up. Andrew Chafin, who they acquired. Um, uh, Tyler Chatwood made $13 million this past year. That was kind of a surprise when I was going through and looking at things. Now, why things get even crazier with this Cubs team is they have a lot of guys who could be leaving after 2021. Uh, here is a list of players whose contracts are completely up after the 2021 season. Anthony Rizzo, Chris By- Bryant, Javi Baez, and uh, Kyle Schwarber. So that's four-fifths and an upper four-fifths of their lineup. Uh, I assume they'll try to maybe lock in one or two of those guys. I think Javi Baez is probably their primary target because I don't think they they feel like they can get Chris Bryant signed. And if you also look at Chris Bryant... Uh, I don't want to say it's been diminishing returns, but there's definitely been some Corey Seager to him where, I mean, there was a time where Bryant looked like he was going to be the next big thing. He was going to be the next great hitter. And this past year, he had a 644 OPS. Yes, again, small sample size, just 34 games for him. But if you're just looking at war, you know, 5.7, 6.4 when he won the MVP, 5.9 has some injury issues 2.5 2019 a 4.7 like he's I mean I would still kill for a 4.7 on the Indians a 0.2 this year but it's just not the the same level of production uh the MVP year he had 39 home runs he's only had over 30 home runs once since then uh the value isn't quite there where Javi Baez plays that premium position and you know not a great year for him either offensively but a great defender some good numbers there Jason Kipnis log the most games of anyone at second base for them another free agent um yeah it's going to be an interesting team to see how they start figuring out and line things you know shorber hit 188 this year for 308 on base <laughs> so for me they don't sign any of these guys they just offer them all the qualifying offer and have a boatload of draft picks right uh rizzo t- hit 222 342 414 755 uh ian happ was the leader in that lineup. And Jason Hayward had a big rebound season for them after a few years of struggles, uh, which is a good thing for them because they are paying him $24 basically through 2023. As for the overall depth, uh, they drafted about as poorly as you could draft for a few years there. New front, uh, new scouting regime in place this past year. led to a new approach where they did not go uh, to the extreme ends of conservatism taking Ed Howard in the first round their minors don't leave a lot of choices for trades and that's why when we talk about any trade as we're just trying to find that rare like team that has depth and cheap depth the Cubs don't necessarily have it now if if there is a world where they wanted to add Lindor and they're you know if they were going to trade Chris Bryant somewhere else and essentially try to you know or you get Javi Baez to play second base and you have Lindor at short and you got Bryant at third and Rizzo at first and your outfield you got Hayward you got Schwarber Ian Happ maybe could you know like that's the player you're talking about if you're the Indians I you've been listening to this podcast you know i've been talking about ian happ since his for the past year i, I wanted to buy low on him after it was viewed as kind of a, a down season a year ago it didn't happen uh and he had a really strong year this past year i've been a big fan of his honestly uh you can find you can't because 24 7 scrubs everything but you used to be able to find uh everything i wrote about him uh dating back to his university of cincinnati days i i loved him as a selection. Uh, he just struggled to get an extended opportunity in the majors and was, you know, kind of a, a middling. Well, that's not even fair to say middling? Like, he's never had a runs created plus under 100. His worst was a 106. This year it's up to a 133. Uh, high walk rates. He's, he strikes out a lot. It's uh, Playing center field, not ideal for him, but he's a productive hitter. Uh, and if you could get him, uh, I mean, hat for Lindor straight up. I'm doing that tomorrow. That that, that's good for me. I'm willing to do that one. Uh, but outside of him, there's just not a whole lot of young, cheap, controllable players in Chicago. And it's like, hey, Nico Horner, never been my guy. I'm just honest with that. Um, all their other free agents to be. You look at their outfield. Their fourth and fifth outfielders, Cameron Rabin, Billy Hamilton, both going to be free agents. General weakness in the minors. Um, And you have Brennan Davis and Cole. uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Roediger. Kind of like the name from the kid from uh, Rookie of the Year, right? I I feel like at least half the audience is going to get that reference, you know, starring uh, Pete Crow Armstrong's mom, right? That was Rookie of the Year that she was the the mom in. So we'll tie it to even more baseball teams. But they're not like. I don't think either of them were top 100 prospects. Neither of them were guys that could help an Indians team in the immediate future. Uh, it's just not a lot there. So the Cubs, who I, I feel like maybe you thought I was building to something interesting with the Cubs, uh, if you're a fan of this podcast, because I kept leaving them off, leaving them off. Uh, more, I was leaving them off because there's just nothing there. They're not uh, a deep team. They're not really all that interesting of a team, sadly. Uh, and, you know, just to talk about the NL East think i've already covered all of those teams in some form or another uh sadly the phillies oh one more thing to go back to the cubs they're another team where a hand deal could make sense um because their closer jeremy jeffress is going to be a free agent as is uh, andrew chafin who they traded for so they do have two guys going out they're paying a lot of money to craig krimble krimble craig Kimbrell. uh it is interesting that you know Jeffress and Kimbrell, on paper, had vastly different se- seasons, but their FIPS were about the same. Kimbrell's walk rate, though, is untainable, and they're paying him $16 million. That is not ideal. Uh, Jeffress' data, though, shows that his uh, his one-point-something ERA is completely uh, untainable. That is going to go the other way very quickly. Yeah, uh, let's see, Kimbrell, a 397 FIP, Jeffress, a 4.09, and that's because Jeffress just doesn't miss, didn't miss enough bats, uh, that's just right there, or at least for, with Krimble, man, Kimbrell's uh, horrible walk rate, he had a fantastic strikeout rate, but it's so hard to judge, because again, you're talking 23 innings, 15 innings, it's small sample size, so the stats almost don't even matter uh, in the long run, and that's, why uh, maybe the Indians can benefit with Brad Hand. Where the Who knows what would have happened in an extended season, but he was good for this very short part of the year, and uh, maybe there could be a lesser trade, but again, I don't see a ton of value in flipping him to the Cubs, because I just don't see a ton of value with the Cubs right now in terms of immediate help. It's just, it's not lining up at all, if you're an Indians fan uh, for such a trade like that. And you know, we, like I said, very recently we did do the the NL East. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can always talk about the, the Mets if people would want that again. Uh, but that's just because I feel like I could talk about the Mets as trade partners from here to eternity. I guess uh, we didn't really discuss the Nationals too much because it was not a great fit. The Phillies did fire their GMs. So you don't have anyone in panic mode. The Marlins we discussed and how they could use a face for their franchise. And, you know, Lindor was a... Uh, drafted. I originally started out in Puerto Rico, came to Florida, um, and went to school there before he was drafted. And, uh, let's see the, the Braves we also talked about, I would be totally up for a, a Swanson type of deal at this point in time, which was opposed to a year ago. Uh, since we already talked to athletics and angels, I guess next week we'll start out with the West. Uh, the Mariners have been kind of a trendy team as a, a spot, a team that could possibly trade for Lindor. Um, I don't know if they're there yet. I think the Rangers are safely out of any type of one-year rental sweepstakes after the year they had. But uh, yeah, we can certainly talk. And I don't know about a trade with the Astros, but we'll th- discuss it. So, talk some Astros and Mariners on Monday. Um, is it even? Wor- you know, we'll profile the Central, and you know, I'll go through all those teams because this is not just about Lindor trades. It's about do they have depth. And when I talked about those NLEs teams, I was looking at Lindor trades. So I'm going to go back, look at those NLEs teams as well. We're going to see if there are extra bats and things that would make sense. Uh, And It's not just so I can talk about the Mets and all of their extra bats. But yeah, it's partly a little bit of that. But yeah, that's uh, that's what we're going to be on uh, track to do for the next few weeks. I'm sure we'll talk some more World Series uh, next week as well. And we will see what news comes. We will talk some history as well, at least when it pops up and there is some available to talk about. And what do you want me to talk about? I guess that becomes a new question. What do people like? Do you want me to dig into some old seasons? Do you want me to dig into old drafts? Should I try and find my uh, greatest draft pick of all time series? I, it's on one of these computers somewhere where I went through and did the greatest player the Indians selected in every single round, uh, starting in round 50, the entire franchise history. I can pull those out and, and use all of those old articles, make them evergreen, uh, talking about that. Is that something that people like? Let me know. I want to do a podcast that it's going to encourage everyone to listen. What do people like? What do they want to hear more of? Um... I appreciate everyone who's downloading, listening, telling a friend, rating, and reviewing. I, I, all of that stuff helps our podcast. And someday, maybe we'll be in the top 10 for the baseball podcast Unlocked on, on. So uh, help me out there. Tell a friend. Uh, always download uh, the podcast. Uh, I have a significant other download a podcast. Uh, you know, anything you can do will help out. It'd be uh, let's break us in, let's get us into that top 10 podcast amongst the baseball podcasts on the Lockdown Network. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. It's the best place to send me ideas, thoughts for the show, questions you would like me to answer. And as always, go Tribe.